0: Just want to ride on my motorcycle Hello everybody and welcome This is the Nokomoto Podcast Episode uh, 123, I think If you hear some weird noises In the background of this one Swiggy's neighbors are having a party Or something I'm going to try to put a noise gate On this and see But if you hear some weird stuff you know, party noises or anything in the background, well, it's not our fault. It's not usually like this. It's just, you know, the amateur podcaster's life. So I'm your host, MotoGP, and with me is your other host, Swiggy. Yep. Coming to you from next door to a party in northern Colorado, where we did not have one of our 300 days of sunshine. We had snow, snow like never before. Oh, wow. It's the official end of the riding season. There's no question about
1: it. We'll see. I mean, we're really just substituting snow for ash. Like, it's...
0: Yeah. It's, yeah, people have made a lot of big deal about California being on fire. Colorado has been on fire since, what, like, August
1: 20th? Yeah. Uh, It's been fun.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah, a bunch of people got evacuated from Estes Park on Thursday, and then stormed my restaurant. Not fun. Yeah. Anyway, so what have we got on this? The agenda today. We have a correction and a mission email, which, I mean, these are we're on a roll with these. I'm super stoked about it then we've got best worst bike of course afterwards we're going to talk or i'm going to ask the question is mileage real
1: okay <laughs> i mean it <clears throat> is
0: but the the question it's interesting and then after that i guess we're just going to read the rest of the emails and we'll call that a podcast so swigs you've got our corrections or an emissions email up right Maybe, hopefully.
1: Uh, yeah. So we have one from Joseph, who's, uh, all in a hullabaloo about, uh, us not talking about Joe Roberts enough.
0: No, he but, was like, why are you talking about Joe Roberts and not everything else in GP?
1: Uh, no, he was, uh, annoyed that we didn't talk about, um, Well, okay, it's
0: double-sided. He was annoyed that we were talking about Joe Roberts, not everything else in GP, and then was annoyed that we didn't talk about something about Joe Roberts.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we were kind of filling out a small segment to fill out an episode. Even then, I think it went on for like 30 minutes. Like, it was a pretty lengthy segment on Joe Roberts, And possibly more media coverage than he's gotten the rest of the season. So with that in mind, like slow your roll a little bit here.
0: Well, I think, I think, you know, he was, I think it was a good hearted email. I don't think he was trying to be a dick. I think he was like, enough of this, like, getting drunk nonsense. What's going on with GP? Come on. He, he, it was a little <laughs> tongue-in-cheek, I think. I didn't read it as him losing his cool. But it must be said, this is not a just complete MotoGP-only podcast. So it's our podcast, and we get to choose what we talk about. <laughs> so, And I, I even said in that email – and responded to him again, it's – GP is just too big to talk about this year. I need time to digest what has been happening. And this racing weekend to weekend is not allowing that to happen. I We need to wait for the season to be done for a few weeks, take a step back, and then analyze everything that happened in a context for what might how it might affect next year. Cause that's still a big question as well. I, uh, I, you know, and we can talk about whoever is on a role in GP, except nobody's on a roll. People get one or two wins and then crash it out on everything else. Like nobody is consistent. It's just chaos. And that's really hard to analyze. That's really hard to get a grip on.
1: Yeah, this, this season kind of feels like it's following the plot of Rollerball. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, we're just going to have to... We know it will be stable when it's over. And then we will have some something to actually tackle.
0: Yeah. I, if you, if you want to know what I think about this year, I think r- there's been some... We've been experimenting with, like, six toggles at once. And, you know, like, if you're sound editing, you, you shouldn't change more than one thing at a time. And, like, six knobs have been changed all at once, right? So a lot of teams can't bring their whole crew. Well, no no one can bring their whole crew in into the pits right now. And I think that's one that maybe we should keep for next year. Level the playing field a little bit. But also, also uh, yeah, the travel schedule. Maybe
1: don't race in October.
0: Right. All sorts of crazy things. Well, no, they used to race in October, but in not in Europe.
1: <laughs> yeah, race in October in Thailand, maybe.
0: Well, that's what they usually do. <laughs> but it, there, there are takeaways from this year that I think we can apply to next year. But as of right now, to make a call on what's happening – there's just too much. We got to wait till the end of this year and then get a clear look at it. Yes. And I don't know why you're super duper upset about Joe Roberts lap times. I mean, it. I don't know. Didn't occur to us to talk about that. I mean, it just seems like the sort of what Joe Roberts represents is more important than Joe Roberts. And I think that's what we were trying to say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think that happened like the day after we recorded.
0: Could have been. Anyway. (laughs) So. So
1: we'll get there. We'll get there. Be patient. Yeah. All right.
0: So should we get to best worst bike in the world this week? Let's do it. Okay. So I haven't made up one of those things. I'm going to see if I can do it on the fly. All right, here's the way that this is going to go. This is our segment called Best and Worst Bike in the World This Week. If you don't know the rules, here's how it goes. Me and Swiggy each pick a different bike each week to be the best and worst bike in the world this week, and we don't know what each other have chosen. It's a surprise. Now, occasionally people want to know, hey, you know, if, if this bike, would it be a best or worst? Would my bike be a best or worst? You know, people email us wanting to know. I think it's because, like, deep down they're scared. They need to know if it's going to unexpectedly pop up one day as a worse bike, a bike that they love, you know. And all I have to say is, like, you just need to be prepared, okay? It's – there's there's no rules really, Okay. Anything can be picked as best or worst. It's just by our whim and fancy on this day. Honestly, sometimes we don't even pick these bikes until about 20 minutes before we record (laughs) and just find some bullshit argument. But it's really just a fun way to talk about two motorcycles and look at them in a different way than you might normally look at them, okay? And just remember that, like like my children wrote in blood on my mirror this morning, there's no crying in motorcycles. Everybody. So, <laughs> Swigs, you have best bike in the world this week. I do. Excellent. Are you ready to reveal it?
1: I am so ready. Okay.
0: And the best bike in the world this week is
1: the honda
0: eterno the honda eterno okay i don't know what this is
1: i am not surprised yeah okay
0: (laughs) let's let's see bring it up on the big
1: screen so i have uh i i've shit on indian bikes quite a bit uh since we started this podcast I don't think I've had anything good to say about it yet, about them yet, until now.
0: Now, just the shape of this bike reminds me a lot of the Honda Aero. It's got like a very Honda Aero-ish front fender, but it's got a weird sort of Vespa-ish front fender guard. But really, the back end swoops up. This would be a very good candidate for a Bose Zoku scooter. It would take a ducktail very nicely.
1: Well, keep in mind that's discontinued, and it was only made in India. So good luck with that.
0: Okay, so it's definitely two stroke.
1: No, what? It's and- a 150 <laughs> 4 stroke. It okay, ha- and it's kind of at that seven and a half to eight horsepower. It's kind of about one horsepower less than a than a PX one fifty. It's about one foot-pound of torque less as well, but that's out of a similar displacement four-stroke. Well, that's the thing.
0: Like modern one fifty-four strokes make the power of old one fifty-two strokes. They all do that fifty-five, six. They're all engineered to do that fifty to sixty miles an hour speed. So this losing the one horsepower may not sound like the end of the world, but it
1: kind of is. No, now here's the thing the the engine is a little bit compromised for a few reasons one this thing makes insane gets insane mileage
0: like above 80
1: so okay now this is where it gets a little bit weird because to find anything out about this bike i had to get deep into um google translated hindi used scooter sites and a lot of hindi youtube okay <laughs> so um <laughs> it's also really hard to like find a video in english because is it more
0: or less frustrating watching indian guys trying to explain how nodes work <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, no because they speak English, but when, you pull, Barely. but when you pull up a video about scooters, like 90% of these videos are all in Hindi, but they write out all the titles in the description in broken English. So you don't know until you actually click on the video, like it, you're constantly going through. Anyways, back to the bike. So the motor is a little bit compromised because they really had to compact it down. They had to move a bunch of stuff out of the way, so the, you know, it's all shrunk down a little bit. Um, things like the airbox and some other parts are actually moved into the left side cover. Which they can do because they put the wheel on the back. And what this does is not only does it have that fucking gigantic... Um, uh bleh, glove compartment. It also has enough space under the seat for a full face helmet.
0: Well which is very we're very common of scooters
1: these days. I I yeah. Now this thing I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm gonna bleh, I'm going to take the posted um fuel efficiency numbers and I'm gonna cut it down by a quarter. Because they're advertising this thing as having as making about one hundred and fifty miles to the gallon. That no, it's not. So let's be very pessimistic from their bullshit numbers, and let's say it's a hundred or a hundred and ten. This thing is making ridiculous fuel economy, and it's all built for that. What year do they make this? Uh, this is like 2001 to 2005. Now, this bike has another insane feature. Because in India, they didn't know if anybody would want to have a manual scooter. So they kind of hedged their bets a little bit and created something bizarre. So, it's a manual, but it's not a standard manual. It's twist-up only, and it starts in neutral. So, instead of being like 1N234, it's N1234.
0: Well that's fine except why? Like what what difference does that really make to the user besides it's something they're not used to?
1: I'm I am not ready to psychoanalyze the whole continent of it, the subcontinent of India at this time. But I think I I think I have the answer. But I think anybody in India would be too proud to admit this. And that is that manuals are unpopular in India because CVTs are really helpful when you want to tow an incredibly inappropriate amount of weight on your scooter.
0: Well, also just the chaotic nature of their traffic. You would want a CVT just to be able to launch instantly. yeah yeah also how does it make all that fuel economy with a manual transmission because the cvt is also the more fuel
1: efficient option if their goal was insane fuel efficiency i think this well Keep in mind, also, since this bike is India only, I think they uh, they get to play with the numbers.
0: Is it one hundred and fifty imperial gallons? They or miles to no. one hundred fifty miles to imperial gallon? No, that would work the other way. That's a smaller gallon.
1: Shit. Well, again, I, it's India only, so they don't work in miles per gallon at all. They gave it. They listed as sixty kilometers per liter.
0: Right. Yeah, well, and this isn't really a Honda machine as well. This is going to be a Honda joint venture company sort of thing.
1: Yes, um, although it still is the current one there today.
0: So it's Hero Honda. Uh,
1: is it Hero Honda? No, I think Hero Honda went under. No, Hero
0: Honda is making the highness. Pretty sure. I don't know. Anyway, so it's an Indian scooter, and another thing, you know, India being the largest market for scooters, India kind of drives a, a lot of scooter fashion outside of Vespa. When you look at all the Tao Tao stuff, and 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 the Buddies, and and you know, just modern twist and go scooters. It all comes out of this weird, these weird magazine and billboard ad campaigns of, you know, dudes in like gold leaf jackets standing next to scooters (laughs) with expensive sunglasses. There's this whole, if you've ever looked at a scooter and thought that looks a little too aggressive, I think you have India to thank.
1: India and China a lot of the time. Right. Well, actually, uh, you know, what scooters are generally kind of just more badass in Southeast Asia altogether.
0: Well, it's true. But the, the sort of look of twist and go scooters you get here, I think there's a lot of India influence. And this one doesn't feel that way to me. This one feels very 80s in a strange way. And I think... It, it, with it, with it compromising so much for fuel efficiency, and extra storage, and being slow and kind of bulbous, it's almost like it's India's Prius.
1: No, this is actually seen as kind of a little bit of a. Uh, this is almost like the hot hatch of India.
0: Really, because <laughs> it's so slow. <laughs> at 150 should be faster. It should be quicker. It should be making it should be making at least eight horsepower eight and a half. there's just there's just no excuse. I mean well that's about what it's doing. Look a metropolitan makes like four 4.9 somewhere in there like somewhere between four and five a metropolitan makes. this is three times the displacement. We could manage eight and a half solid and, I, and from what you're telling me it falls a little short.
1: Look, how often do you think you're going to hit Red Line in New Delhi or Mumbai? Like, well, what, is it going to happen? You never hit
0: Red Line anywhere with any motorcycle, but you have to have that number there for your bragging rights because the scooters are so tied up in people's identities there, right? So why you know especially when you know you're bragging right is the one horsepower what does it really take to deliver that one horsepower right but how can you not be competitive on the horsepower when the game is between seven and a half and nine right it's pretty pathetic to not live up to that although i we did talk about this before. There are a lot of shockingly bad scooters in India. Yes. With good badges on them. Like, there is garbage that Yamaha puts out that you wouldn't think would be allowed. So There
1: is, but I think there's a justifiable reason for that. Uh-huh. Which is it has to be manufactured in India. Because it's just the way that the... The way that their the protectionist you know policies work there, it has to be made there. But also, there's like one point three billion people in India, like if your factory shits out a scooter every ten seconds, you're not making them fast enough. There are so many people in this massive developing economy. That are gonna that are becoming first-time vehicle buyers. Like there's no way you can ever satisfy the demand. So why make something a little bit better? Why go for disc brakes and and fuel injection and and you know, proper you know, going going for better forks when what you already have the demand massively outstrips the supply. Like, why would you bother?
0: Okay. Now, you're saying this is Best Bike, so obviously this must be something that, for whatever reason, does just connect a lot with the Indian market. As you said, they haven't made these for some time, but I'm guessing there's some sort of crazy aftermarket you know, thing that people do with them. There's gotta be, there's gotta be some strange subculture, right? Like when cars sort of outlive their natural life cycle and then come back in the States, you get something weird like the, like the, the Mazda Miata, right? Like the Gen 1 Miata is like everyone thought was a joke, and then people realized it was this great little track car on a budget. And then people started buying them up and just doing insane mods to them right and same with kind of like s2000s or you know whatever it is that didn't initially connect with the market comes back in a very aggressive way so i'm just gonna guess that there's some other shoe to drop here there's some sort of aggressive subculture with these that you're gonna hit me with
1: there is a bit of a subculture um let me see if i can find a good picture is, like, there's people who have, like, done these up in, like, gold leaf.
0: There you go. Yeah.
1: uh, There's, like, a million custom seats you can get for them. Like, here's a a quick shot here. And I'm taking a capture, a freeze frame of a YouTube video to give you an idea of this because it's that hard to find this stuff. But here's a dude... He's really, really stoked about his, uh, his His Eterno. Eterno. And this bike that he's super stoked about is literally like parked it in a field. And you can see he's got his, his custom seat on there, which is bizarrely intricate
0: it is. There's a lot going on with that seat. He has added a lot of crash bars to this.
1: Well, yeah, this is – you can't replace this.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is special to him. I can I can see that. Uh, he's put a cover on the wheel like it's a Jeep. That's a nice touch. Well, that's actually practical because – Yeah, he's protecting it from UV. It's going to last longer. I get
1: it. I mean, I can also see the uh, the other side of that argument, which is – Given that you're going to uh, wear your wheels down, your, your tires down to the threads, when inevitably you get a flat, you're going to want your spare to be just as rock hard and fucked up from the sun so that it still rides the same once you swap it out. <laughs> you're like, you may be thrown off by having traction on one of your wheels when you don't on the other. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, okay. Um... So there's, there's sort of a way there's a, there's, there's, there is an established look for these, which is not Chrome, but painted crash bars all the way around it. You've got to get a custom seats. You've got to repaint it a custom color. Um, I'd say there's one thing about it. I can't get past this completely flat footwell.
1: Uh, Why? I think that's the better way to go.
0: You just see it so rarely. I don't understand it. It doesn't flow into the body or anything. It's just a flat... I I don't know.
1: Well, that's more a sign of good engineering, because they've managed to get the underbone of the frame low enough that they don't have to have the big ridge in the middle to account for it.
0: Well, also yeah, but also it's probably desirable because with the flat surface on the bottom, you can carry more shit. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So are so these are pretty collectible in India then.
1: I I can't tell you. I I can't <laughs> tell you at all because it's too hard to research.
0: It's just it's the thing to have
1: though. I guess there is definitely a big cult following for this bike in India.
0: Okay uh, People connect with it I, I, It doesn't really speak to me I'm going to be honest um,
1: Oh, I, I would have one of these Yeah, I don't think I
0: would But okay Alright um, Yeah, you got anything else to say about it?
1: Uh, no I think we're good there
0: Okay, so let's move on to Worst bike in the world this week <laughs> And the worst bike of the world this week is, I don't know what year they made it or continue to make it. I know they made them in 2008. It is called the Auto Moto, and it is made by Automoto. Moto. So I found one of these on Craigslist near here, and I sent it to you, suggesting that perhaps we could even buy it. And then I did some research. So this is a scooter and people are going to be like, come on, guys, what's with all the heavy scooter talk all of a sudden? This was not planned. Okay. I was going to do a different bike, but I read enough about this thing yesterday. I was like, okay, because it's a three-wheeler. So again, you might say, well, Peter, it's not a motorcycle. And I agree. I think it's a tax shelter. Is what it is. (laughs) 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 This is designed so poorly. Well, it's designed so well, but with but also so so poorly. Let's get a picture up for you, Swigs, and I'm gonna try to be better about putting pictures up this week. We'll see. Let's cast
1: this I didn't know this version existed.
0: Oh there's there's a few versions of it but oh yeah I I think that's a prototype that one the all enclosed one that you're looking at there I I don't think that's that's like a layback one but just the regular one Let me see if we can bring up this picture here Yeah I got a few Yeah here we go All right so it's kind of like the BMW C1 fucked a fucked a Honda Gyro canopy Good start except it's the worst of both designs Okay Okay So it's a three-wheeled scooter and it's enclosed in a canopy So you know when I was talking about the the Thoroughbred stallion And it's like, oh, that looks like a fun little scoot on the weekends, right? Like the the guy that was like, I love it because it's different, right? Well, this is the same guy that buys this except he's broke, okay? So it's two wheels in the back, one wheel in the front, and the whole body tilts whilst the two wheels in the back stay planted, Now, the specs and the writing about this thing are all over the place. Some people claim that it's a 150cc Honda GY6 motor. Some people say it's inspired by a Honda motor. They seem adamant that it is not the Honda tilting system. And I was very skeptical of that at first, thinking, well... The only reason this vehicle – well, not the only reason, but a strong reason this vehicle probably doesn't exist anymore is they got a strong cease and desist from Honda saying, hey, why are you using our our tilting system? But it does appear to be a slightly different system, and they, they, they claim a lot in any video you find about this that they've got this proprietary patented um, limited slip differential for the back of it. Whatever. So it's a 150cc. It's uh, 10 horsepower. Does 55, whatever. Now, what do you think in 2008 it
1: cost? Well, they're only selling it to dumb people. So it's got to be something ridiculous like $13,000
0: way high
1: was. are we going the other direction is it ridiculously underpriced and doomed to fail yes Was it like three grand
0: 3,800
1: okay well that's not gonna work
0: so just just for okay what do you think a vespa primavera 150 costs Which is Vespa's 150 four-stroke twist and go scooter with limited options. They're sort of just basic 150 scooter.
1: I actually have no idea, but I'm going to guess it's around four grand.
0: It's about five grand. Okay. So this was trying to undercut the market. Now if it was just trying to undercut the market with cheap Chinese Honda knockoff engines with a modified you know Honda tilting system and whatever and they just put this canopy on it I could believe it but they tried to go for crazy features
1: and okay those are some large plastic panels to be putting out to sell on a $3,800 bike.
0: True. So this thing has a windshield wiper that dispenses wiper fluid.
1: Is it like Trabant style, where you've got like a, a squeezy, like a squeezy? No,
0: no. It's like on your electric. car, full uh. electric dispenses fluid this thing has a four speaker stereo system am fm radio aux input it detects phone calls now i don't know if that means it actually picks up your phone calls and plays them because it doesn't appear to have any kind of speaker i think it just simply has a light that tells you you're getting a phone call
1: is this just like all of Alibaba condensed into one sketchy scooter? Right. It,
0: exactly. It it has all these features. So for 300, they must all be garbage, right? It has a fake carbon fiber dash. It you know there, there's too much going on here for any of it to be any good is the point. Um okay. <sighs> Here's also how I know it's not the Honda tilting system and it probably rides like garbage. When you get off of it, you have to pull a lever to lock the cab in place. Otherwise, it'll fall over. It does not have a a sophisticated tilting system like the Honda. It just swivels. If you let it go, it'll fall over. What's the fucking point of a three-wheeler that will just fall over?
1: Look, I really don't want to talk about the Nikon again. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's so, not retread that ground too closely.
0: So, you know, you can see how I thought, like, when when I saw one of these for, like, you know, 1500 bucks on Craigslist, I was like, we should pick this up. It's like an American gyro, and it probably uses the Honda gyro system and a a Honda motor. It's just an American-made body around it. And then I discovered, oh, oh, no, oh, no. And then it does some other dumb things like the C1 as well. So, for example, like the C1 or a Honda gyro, it's got this luggage box on the back, which is an impressive 17 liters of storage. But it doesn't do the brilliant thing that the Honda did or the C1 did where you could put another person back there or an object larger than 17 liters and strap whatever you like to it. No, okay, Peter, let it's, me... It, it's a fully enclosed, unremovable box. You're, so you're in danger you can put,
1: of talking up the C1 right now. <laughs> I, you, <laughs> you're going to need to thread the needle on this one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it you know it doesn't yeah you know, and the seat so it's got a back seat but instead of have it be like a formed seat so the passenger feels secure in there somewhat no it 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 just has armrests like your passenger's just gonna fall out of it, it it's not clear where the passengers' like, feet are supposed to go. I mean, I'm sure like something happens once you get in there. Also, I can't tell where the radio controls are. And I can't find that many good pictures of this. But I think the radio controls are in between your legs. Like, do you see where like where there might be knobs there in this photo? I can't tell if that's a reflection, but I can't find a picture on this anywhere where the radio controls are, either of the dash or or anywhere else. I but I keep like seeing a few of these where it looks like there's some knobs in between your legs, like on the front of the seat. Um let me let me bring up this picture. Here. Come on. Here. Like do you see on that photo right there? There's two little dimple thing like I don't know. Cause if you find pictures of the dash, there's just gauges. There's no knobs, there's no buttons and it doesn't look like there's any control like thumb controls uh, i don't know so okay so it's the worst bike for many reasons poor I'd be quality if it
1: just had like a 6 cd changer Under the (laughs) front (laughs) seat,
0: so so it's poor quality. Like you know, there's no way that this works, or this these panels fit together well, or it's designed well, or it's a pleasure to ride. It's it's all a disaster,
1: right? It's got two things going for it for me. Okay, one is my favorite cheesy motorcycle feature, which is turn signals integrated into the mirrors,
0: and the second
1: is that this scooter has the profile. Of an escargot.
0: It does. It's about the length of an (laughs) escargot as well. It's, um,
1: but yes, other than that, this looks like hot garbage. So
0: this is put together by an American company in Van Nuys, California, where they just distribute these things. I don't know where it's made. It must be made in China and they bring them in and send them out and tried to sell them to unsuspecting people in America. But I, who thought that this was going to be a good idea? Who thought that people were going to go for this in America? It
1: You and, haven't been following the electric vehicle market, have you? <laughs>
0: so, well, look, it's so, you know, by a lot of measures, you would think that, well, this is so superior to the Honda gyro. Because the gyro doesn't have a stereo system or a windshield wiper or a 150 engine or, you know, a back seat or a, a, a you know, your Bluetooth or your phone, a fake carbon fiber dash. It doesn't have those things. But, It's so is so perfectly suited for its time for its place, right? The middle of fucking Tokyo or other crazy Asian cities where you only need to go three miles with it at a time, Mm. and you're never in a situation where you can top twenty five miles an hour. And your ability to be small and duck down side streets is your strength, right? Mm. It's It's not that it's fast. It's just fast in a tight space, right? That's the whole beauty of the thing. And it's such a perfect thing for its place. It serves a need, right? So it was like, oh, the only way that this will serve a need is if we put a bunch of Harley-esque features on it, like speakers, right, and windshield wipers and stupid shit that people don't want or need on a scooter. And it becomes this useless monstrosity, and you know, and on top of that, the price is too good to be true. It's poorly made, right? That it's just disgusting and unappealing as a result. And le- let's talk about the styling of it too. Like it is so 2008.
1: Again, that's kind of a plus for me.
0: I don't know. Look, <laughs> like, uh, there's a lot of things in my life that have turned out to age better than I thought they were going to, right? But nonetheless, there are still things from the 80s that we look at and go, oh, that's from the 80s, right? Like
1: square headlights.
0: Yeah. I mean, in a few rare examples, we've come to love them, especially pop-up headlights. But overall, it's still kind of like, ooh. Right. Uh, And every decade has these things. Um, The, you know, the sixties is a, is, is a whole era of style that holds up way better than other decades. Right. A lot of the furniture, the clothes, music, things are still very much, you know, things that we draw off of not, you know, but like 2008 is just one of those years that has nothing we want anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like 2008 not, not good, right? It's like when we were watching old music videos a few weeks ago, and you brought up like the the Power Man 5000 video. Like nothing <laughs> could be more 2000. Like nothing, right? And we think of it like, oh, it's only 20 years ago. It's not that. Long. It's 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 fast approaching like becoming as bad as I thought thing like eighties things were when I was a kid, when I was a kid, like in 1997, or I was like, I was like, what <laughs> could possibly be worse than the eighties? Right. Little did I know that white trash was really never going to leave 1988 to 1993. They were just going to sort of stay
1: there. Well, it's but, sort of like thinking back to 2010, When hipsters still couldn't admit that they were basic. Right. That they all still thought that they were unique and special and creative.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. There's something very Gen 2 Prius about the look of this thing as well, though. There's something sort of... Yeah, like 2008 Passat about it. There's something kind of... uh, I don't it's rounded, but it's square at the same
1: time. It's sort of like half a smart car.
0: Yeah, there's a little bit of smart car in there as well. It's it's not good. It's it 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 makes me cringe. The way it looks really makes me cringe, which I was fine with when I thought that it might have been brilliant mechanically underneath but it's not brilliant mechanically. It's cheap and shoddy. Yeah. So uh, what annoys me about it is that someone just went like, oh, it's kooky. Someone will get it. Someone will love it because it's kooky and different. And it's not. It's just gross. like, This will put it in a time and place for you. I'll bet after Gangnam Style became a hit, like Psy probably pimped one of these out.
1: (laughs) What? Where are you going (laughs) with this?
0: That's it. That's the complete (laughs) thought. Like that. I just feel like it was, it's, it's only, it's. It's. It could only be considered cool if you put it up next to a regular, like fifty cc four stroke scooter, and went, "Look what I've got!"
1: Right? If it's it the is free wheeler effect, it's the one upsmanship.
0: Yeah. If it's if you if you if you thought that being the Escalade of scooters is cool, and that's not very cool.
1: Well, that is something it probably has in common with Escalade owners. Which is whether supplier or user, there's definitely pills involved.
0: Right. Where's a much more logical way to go, I think, is – or not logical, but I, I think a better way to go is the um, – the, the Bergman 650 executive. Because if this is the escalate of scooters, the, the Bergman 650 is the executive. the Rolls Royce. That's what about to say. It's the silver <laughs> phantom or silver cloud, of right? And it's so much better to be slightly <laughs>
1: understated,
0: right? <than laughs>
1: okay. That might be a good note to end the segment on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Let's
0: take a quick break. Let's quick break. Oh my gosh, where's the button? Where's the button? <laughs> All right. So, we're about to enter if you've uh, a time where if you have a couple coins to throw together, what's going to be the greatest used buying market of all time. Mm -hmm. Right now, there's a lot of bikes on Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, whatever, for a little too much money because people are selling these bikes that really need all the money out of them. And by Christmas or a few weeks afterwards, they're going to need whatever they can get out of them, right? <laughs> they think mm-hmm. they're going to get everything that they're worth, but there's not enough buyers, and there's going to be a lot of reposting. And yeah, so there's going to be a lot of good bikes up for uh, wh- what you might think is oh, goody, the kinds of bikes that I'm looking at, well, maybe they're going to become more affordable. Look, this is loser thinking, all right? Go the other go the other way. I'm thinking bikes that were already cheap are basically gonna become free or close to free. I'm thinking I'm still gonna ride the same scummy bikes. I'm just
1: gonna be paying even less money.
0: Yeah. Oh okay.
1: this is this is the perfect time to self-gift around Christmas time. I think two weeks before Christmas. Kind of look around like December 10th, December 11th, that is when parents are going to start to realize our income has been taking a massive hit and we need some video games and a new console or something to keep these kids occupied so that we have some sanity left. Something like that, is This is going to be what's going down. So be middle of the winter and people are going to start thinking, you know what? I don't need a scooter right now. I don't need a classic motorcycle right now. I need cash.
0: Well, what they're really going to think is I don't I also don't need the colossal Harley Goldwing BMW in the garage right now. And what is already the number one devaluer of motorcycles? Mileage. Mileage. I have a theory that mileage being the biggest detractor of value is one of the greatest things that could possibly happen to people like us that, that buy and sell motorcycles all the time. Mileage is not the demon you think it is. Neglect is the demon you think it is. I have been asking for about a month, everybody I know that is in any way mechanically inclined, and I've asked them one simple question. Have you ever seen an engine, quote, wear out due to mileage? Almost universally, they've said no. And when I say, and then I ask one more clarifying question. When I say due only to mileage, I don't mean poor maintenance, I mean, a perfectly maintained motorcycle that wore out or car even. And then they all go, oh, no, the, the closest I've come is dad said, well, when I got my first car, it was a 1947 Riley and the cam bearings were worn out. So I replaced those. And I was like, and like, did the engine wear out? He's like, no. He was like, I just I sold it running. I was like, how many miles did it have when you got it? He's like, I don't know, like 120,000. It's a car from 1947, it had 127,000. He just replaced a couple bearings. That was it. Right? right. So I have not witnessed any motor built since 98 that with just proper fluid changes has even needed to be opened up for any reason.
1: Yeah, I think the only ta- the only kind of failure that I've ever even, like, even have a secondhand account of would be, like, um, one of my old bosses, Subaru, blew up because it threw a rod, which is, and it was at, like, 20,000 miles, which is clearly a factory defect,
0: Right, yeah. Those exist, and they're going to exist in everything from Toyota Corollas up to Ferraris and everything in between. Right. Those but- are going to exist in scooters. Those are going to exist in the- – there are bicycles, like push pedal bicycles that are lemons, where like they like <laughs> some just integral piece is bent in an imperceptible way, and it just throws chains all over the place, so, you know?
1: But in terms of, like, an actual solid motor just wearing out, I think you're right. I don't think it's a thing.
0: Well, I think it's a thing. I just don't think that normal people are capable of of wearing out a car. They get sick and bored of the car. Like, the floorboards rust out before the engines give out if they're properly maintained,
1: you know? Right. Yeah, I think. Most In most cases, it's like, oh, the Civic has done 50,000 miles between oil changes.
0: Yeah. So let, let me give a, a rock solid example of how this is, this is a good thing. So I'm thinking of selling my Goldwing, which has been nothing but 100% reliable to me uh, because it's got some retro cool going for it. And I think I can buy like an early '90s GL 1500 with like somewhere. I'm I'm actually looking for one that has between your mic seven. Just went out. Did it? No, it didn't. Why did the sound just change massively? I don't know. Are you stepping on your volume knob? No. Nope. Oh well. Anyway, onward. So I'm thinking of trading out for an early 90s GL1500. Prom- I'm i looking at the levels. Everything's being recorded normally. No,
1: okay, so my sound's got up. Never mind. Keep going.
0: Okay. So I- I'm looking for one with between 70 and 100,000 miles on purpose. Because if you look for one with like 20 or 30,000 miles, people seem to think it's worth more than it's worth, Right but it's like buying a toyota corolla with 80,000 miles. You would be like, "Oh, it's just getting started." Right. You wouldn't think, and, you know, and this is a vehicle that has uh, a, a build quality totally up to spec, right? Like why is it that these modern engines aren't really affected by mileage like old ones were? Well, especially when you're talking about large bikes. You're talking about engines that have much better metallurgy. You know, these bikes that were premium bikes 20, 30 years ago, right? You're talking about large displacement bikes that were then sort of detuned. So they're not stressed very heavily. There's not a lot of compression. It's just that that much less force that's on the connecting rods and the pistons and the crank, right? Which is less wear on the bearings, Um you're talking about adult owners who changed all the fluids when they were supposed to because they weren't, you know, strapped. You know, someone who's looking to buy a bike for $2000 and that's their maximum budget is someone that may come up a little short when it comes time to do the maintenance, to replace the tires when they're supposed to, to change the oil when they're supposed to and all this stuff. So, these engines have a long life. Every Goldwing ever made, every BMW, um, you know, K1200 ever made, and a lot of these big Harleys too, they're all two, 300,000 mile bikes. It's just, did someone keep the maintenance up long enough to get them to that point? So I argue that if you're looking for a 150, 160,000 mile bike, there's a good chance that if you just keep doing the maintenance, you're going to spend like 12 $1200 $1, on a bike that's good for close to another 100,000 miles. There's every chance that you could open up that engine and it's just like new inside.
1: Yeah. In fact, I think there uh, this kind of I think we've kind of had this as a little bit of a soft philosophy for a while. But, like, if you're buying a classic CB, you know, ideally you want to see, you know, 1,000 miles a year on a bike rather than a bike with 20,000 less miles, but it hasn't been started in 10 years.
0: Right. When there's less than 1,000 miles a year on a bike, I want to know why.
1: Well, not only that, but I can... uh I'm sure Phil is going to send another email yelling at us, but I I wanna say that it's actually worse for all your gaskets and seals if the motor just has been sitting for a long time. Oh, I think Phil absolutely agrees with I think everyone agrees.
0: Yeah, no 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 you, you've gotta you've gotta keep things moving through it. You've got to keep the fluids moving. You've got it when it just sits, it rots. It's not good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely, it's not good. The yeah, the worst thing that can happen to a bike is for it to sit. So these bikes that are ridden, and more importantly, these bikes that are maintenanced. So the bike that's got. You know, whatever you know, a uh, hundred eighty thousand miles on it, like a hundred eighty thousand mile BMW K twelve hundred or, or or Goldwing or Harley Davidson. They're 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 bikes that you don't see all that often because the owners either trade them in on their new bike that they're immediately going to rack one hundred fifty thousand miles up on, or. They just keep them around because they're going to keep riding them forever because they found their bike. But we're running into an economic situation where even if they can only get 1200 for it, a lot of people are going to sell it anyway because they need to get the 1200 Right. And if you're just brave enough to go, well, I know it's got 120,000 miles, But look at this guy. He's got a book where he's written down every oil change he's ever done. I'm stoked to buy
1: that bike. Well, not only that, but just follow the basic logic that somebody had the confidence to ride that bike to 120,000 miles. Then nobody saw it at 100,000 miles and thought, oh, well, I guess it's done. I should probably think about trading this in. Somebody looked at it 100,000 miles and rode it for another 20,000 miles. Now, unless the owner is has a very good poker face and doesn't trust this bike at all at 120,000 miles, it's still going to be good.
0: So, yeah. So, you know, and if you look at our situation where we only keep something for a year or two years, right, and then get rid of it, well, then we really don't give a fuck because we're like, well, we're only in it for $1,200 or whatever. All we need to do is for it, is for it to be good for the next 8,000 miles and then we're going to sell it on again for what we paid for it. And, and, and we laugh all the way, right? It's the air
1: conditioning. I'm going to turn that off real quick. All right. Keep going.
0: Yeah. So we, we just we, – we laugh all the way with that. And I, I think mileage scares people way, way, way too much. You got to relax. You got to realize that the the standard of reliability in all these machines has ra- has been raised so much – that it's like, it's it's not exactly the same, it's not one-to-one, but it's much more like looking at car mileage these days, I think.
1: I think for reasonable, yeah, for, for reasonable maintenance, as long as you didn't go like 10,000 miles past the oil change, you're still pretty solid.
0: Well, and even in a lot of cases, these these bikes, just like the cars, are... Com- they they're not getting damaged even when you do go past the the maintenance intervals because you know they 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 know that if you say change the oil every every um you know 8 5000 miles you'll change it every 8 right because right. that's how people are they they purposely they try to make it idiot proof if you if you add, if you change your um your oil at the exact time that the book tells you to, you're probably changing it a thousand miles too early or something, Right? Like, no matter what your vehicle is. Personally, I go by the rule of whatever the manual tells me to change my oil at, I chop off 10%. So my Fiesta, it tells me to change it every 10,000 miles I change it every nine and I feel like the world's most cautious (laughs) car owner because of it. Uh, Right. You know, the whole, like, Oh, you got, you got an old motorcycle. You got to change the oil every thousand miles. Well, that's like the guys that say, you still got to change your car oil every 3000 miles. No, you don't read the damn booklet, Right. And the guys that do read the booklet do change the oil at those intervals and they tend to do it religiously. And these are the guys that rack up huge miles on their bikes and you normally don't get to buy them, you know, or dealers will buy them and then part them out or, you know, they trade, you know, but I'm sort of looking to buy high mileage bikes. And I think, you know, they've always been a good deal. Like I said, instead of looking for, now, you know, this winter looking for, oh, I thought I wasn't going to be able to get, you know, a, a, a ZX-10R for, for eight grand. But now I might be able to get one for six and a half, seven, right? Because there's going to be all these deals. I'm saying go the other way. Go even cheaper. <laughs> because, because I think there's a different kind of bike coming up, the high mileage bike the well-maintained high-mileage bike, and I don't think it's anything to be afraid of.
1: I'll be interested to see if somebody can, like, purchase a GS-1200 for, like, under $1,000 this Christmas.
0: Definitely an 1100. There's definitely going to be some 1100s going for...
1: Well, an an 1150. Yeah. They're going to be going for a buck a cc, man. I'm looking for a sub $1,000. I think that's the top of the mountain. I mean, I think I think the person with the well-maintained
0: high mileage bike usually stops around that $1,200 because they do know it's solid. But there's going to be some distressed sales. But yeah, there are going to be some distressed sales for sure. So. You know speaking of distress sales should we should we mention that there's been another new edition
1: oh yeah we should <laughs> <laughs> okay tell the people so Dr. Mike action has also purchased an o3 orange genuine Stella
0: this is getting out of hand really fast.
1: <laughs> They're breeding like rabbits. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I think I think now I have to paint mine orange as well.
1: There's some options. I think doing them all in the same original orange paint code like pristine is a good option. I think I, I still am really attached to doing uh, doing the Italian job.
0: Oh, one of each color. Yeah, Yeah. that's good, too. Um, I I think all three of them orange, one with white accents, one with black accents, and one with um, green accents will work really well. We'll see. (laughs) <laughs> There's really not a lot to go into yet that except Mike bought one for for very close to what you bought yours for and it's it's identical in almost every way. It's similar miles. It's the same year. It's got a couple a couple little scratches in the same places that they all get them. I, it's wonderful. And it's sitting in my living room right now. <laughs> okay. So uh, I think we gotta wrap up with some emails here. Uh, you got them pulled up?
1: Nope, but I will do that. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, because my,
0: my laptop battery's dead, so that's not going to work.
1: Okay, so Antonio sends us an email titled, Strange Analogies and Stellas with Sidecars.
0: I'm not even trying to bring up scooter material in this episode and it keeps happening. All right.
1: Well, best and worst bike were scooters. And then we, <laughs> <laughs> well, I know,
0: but I meant I had a bike to talk about, but I was just so disgusted with what I found out about that thing. Reading about it yesterday mm-hmm. that I had to last minute change my, my bike. Okay. okay. Read this email.
1: says, Hey, Swiggy and MotoGP. So glad you are back. While I was listening to Pete talk about how his employees could not believe why he would get a scooter after riding all the amazing machines he showed up to work before, that's what said. I'm not stuttering. Uh, I came up with the perfect analogy. It's like when the scooter player, Ronaldo Nazario, has to present himself to the police in Rio de Janeiro because he was accused of, by a trans girl, in parentheses, not a pretty one, and not paying the prearranged fees. There are photos that prove they were together. Then you ask yourself, why the multimillionaire retired scooter player that had fucked and can still fuck all the supermodels he wants to go out with this ugly trans girl? Well, that's exactly it. He was bored. I don't know if that's quite the reasoning.
0: Yeah, th- this is. Some people also call this the the Richard Gear Hamster Theory. Like when you're <laughs> when when you're dating Cindy Crawford and she's twenty four, like there's nowhere to go but the bottom, right? Like you you just you have to go hamster. That like, <laughs> <laughs> there's this nothing else. You're out of options, right? You've reached the top of the mountain. Um. Well, no, I, I don't think that it's a great analogy because I haven't ridden and bought everything that I want to yet. Um, I don't think there is a good explanation for us buying <laughs> these scooters. I think we're just sort of losing our minds, but <laughs> but it is fun. Uh People certainly are judging us as if we're hanging out with trans and, and getting arrested with, with trans prostitutes. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Okay,
1: I, so then he also asks, um, he says, another topic, well, it's basically the same topic, but he says, I want to ask you about during the summer while looking for bikes on Craigslist. I found this pink Stella with a sidecar for thirty nine hundred dollars. Uh, I can't find it anymore, unfortunately. I think it was sold. And really want to make an offer. I really wanted. I really wanted it so I could strap my three year old son's car seat to it and take him for a spin around town. My wife thought it was not a good idea. Although I kind of know your opinion on anything with three wheels. Understanding the reasoning behind it, I wonder if you would side with me or my wife on this one. It's like well, it's not my kids, so do what you want. But I, I, you know, I,
0: I've given my kids some spins on the bike. Three, I, I, I think they need to be out of a car seat. I know the rule in Colorado is actually kind of a reasonable one. Um, your passenger has to have a um, your you know your your passenger who's a minor has to have a properly fitting helmet, and their feet need to comfortably reach the pedals or the, the yeah. foot pegs. So if you're in a car seat, you're not reaching the foot pegs or the foot well or whatever. So I think it falls out of bounds of what I would consider a very, very reasonable
1: rule. Yes. I I mean, I think you should totally put, if you're like, if you're, you know, it, when your wife is out of the house, you should. I mean, if you buy it, you should just while she's out of the house just put the car seat in the sidecar. It's a great joke, but yeah, you probably shouldn't actually do it. Um, although I'm kind of,
0: yeah, that would be good if right before you knew she was coming home, you put the car seat in the sidecar and then you go like like put the blow dryer in your face for a couple minutes <laughs> and then she walks through the door and you're like oh hey yeah we just got back <laughs> and, or or no she goes why is the car seat in the thing you're like i don't know you just try to lie as if you'd been out riding but you actually
1: hadn't oh, i'd be so good i like it uh i'm actually i'm actually intrigued about this sidecar solution for the for the Stella slash PX150.
0: I don't know. It seems it seems like it's gonna make it
1: real sluggish. I'm sure it does. But at the same time, this seems like seems like a great beer runner. It's true,
0: yeah. If, if 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 the if the if the if the scooter still has the power to pop the sidecar up with somebody in it, I'm totally game for this. And that might have more to do with geometry than it does horsepower. But as long as you can <clears throat> still pop the sidecar up, I approve.
1: Uh,
0: because I- at which point you pop the sidecar up, it becomes a motorcycle again.
1: Sure. Um, Okay, moving on. Uh, This is from Tori, who says, just wanted to let you know I'm super excited here you guys are giving scooters a go. Well, we're definitely doing that. Oh my God, especially on this one. (laughs) I've not missed the Blackbird one bit since I ditched it for the scooter life. I will say I wasn't accurate on my 75 mile an hour speeds with the Zuma, but it's an honest 60 miles an hour on a flat ground bike. It is getting some porting and more tuning this winter to try and attain the 70 plus mile an hour range. I know I'm not as cool as you guys with your shifty transmissions, but the CVT is awesome in traffic. You guys are talking about keeping it in the power band, With the CVT is in the power band from the moment you twist the throttle to your top speed. With my setup, the clutch doesn't even engage until 7,500 RPM. <laughs> I can relate to traffic, just not caring about what you do, aside from passing. Sidewalks, emergency lanes, driveways, it's all mine. I will say the Zima's fat tires are a huge plus for riding at higher speeds. I would look into wider tire options. Usually not a good idea on bikes, but I put 3-inch wide tires on my wife's Elite and it handles so much better. Also, the best feeling in the world is passing a bike mid corner after they refer to you as a scooter fag. Well, I
0: haven't passed any other bikes yet, but I, yeah, I've passed a lot of cars that I knew were mouthing those words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I you know uh, the CVT thing. Um, I if there are two, uh, if there were two CVT scooters, I would like to have. It's um, the 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 Vespa GTS 300 HPE. I like that scooter a lot. And, of course, the Bergman 650, which I've ridden. Which doesn't really benefit enough from the CVT. I, I guess the only weird thing about it is that it gets to have its, like, weird pretend Tiptronic transmission with your pre-selected ratios on it, so it acts like a manual but it doesn't mm.
1: you know now that i think about it if you were to move away from cvt for scooters you might go towards uh dct if you were to do that i've just realized what like the next motorcycle feature needs to be what's that so for any dct bike you could easily put a wheelie button on it.
0: Oh, and it wouldn't let it go past balance point.
1: Yeah, you could just push a button, and it could disengage and pop the clutch for you perfectly every time.
0: Well, it's got to rev at the same time, too. There's kind of an art to it. Like, you've got it, And it works different for different speeds. But if you, if, if you had a wheelie mode button... And then you just slam the the throttle, and it, it just could instantly it could instantly sense which gear to go to, and just go, and then pop it at the right moment in the rev range for you, and then not let it go past the balance point. It could it wouldn't be that complicated to, to just hit a button that says allow wheelies, slam the throttle, and then the bike just comes up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm a genius uh okay so and then um i <clears> get <throat> okay, last email um of substance is uh matt from australia has titled this email bitch please in response to us uh gushing over the storage capacity of of the Vespas.
0: We need some non scooter content in this episode
1: <laughs> in which he has completely filled the front of his across with beer. And I have to say I'm a little bit jealous. Why did we never get this bike? What do you mean, the Across in America?
0: I know we. So we were talking about how the closest thing to this vision we have of all bikes having incorporated storage is the NC seven hundred, but it's not really that much storage. The Ctx has much better front storage than the NC seven hundred.
1: It's kind of pathetic. Where you think, oh, it's got this big front cabin. But when you actually see it in person, it's probably half of what the Across has.
0: But the CTX is at least three quarters to 80% of what the Across has. It was much better, the CTX. Mm-hmm. There there's some sort of there needs to be some sort of standard class of commuter motorcycles where we understand these aren't performance bikes, but there's somewhere around that 450 to 650 twin-cylinder flat engine setup, right? Low center of gravity, good for just weaving around traffic, um, good uh stoplight to stoplight torque, but you know they top out at 90 miles an hour or whatever, and have lots and lots of incorporated luggage. Have them with the uh the the storage is um like kind of like a, you know how the uh the uh, the the n m four had the the bags built into the back of it yeah they're pathetic they didn't hold anything but the idea was great that it was just all part of the thing already it wasn't an yeah. option
1: it, it's the idea of let's start migrating towards stock storage capacity.
0: Right. Now, I know that, okay, you leave it to the aftermarket, and all right, but it never looks right, and I want the thing just to be the thing right away, out of the box.
1: This is like, you know, video game DLC slash expansion packs, or like card games, like custom card games where there's like card packs and things. Or when you're talking about like extended editions of movies uh-huh. or like George Lucasing the Star Wars trilogy. Like it sucks because every time you add options, and you add what would be considered core ideas or features or characters as options, when you do that, every one of those things that you would really like to have. Is now no longer part of the shared experience of that vehicle. It's no longer part of its story. Right. And if somebody says, oh, hey, like I just found an R1200GS for sale, and you have this picture in your mind of the hard luggage and all these crazy features, and then you go look at it and you're like, oh. It's like the most basic model you could possibly buy. It it takes something away. Not everyone has that same shared experience. And it really hurts the story of the bike.
0: Yeah, I, I agree.
1: Hmm. But no, I, I, I want a bike. I would love to see a bike that was, you know... Not, like, I want to see something like your Ninja, like your, the The old ZX-6. Something like the ZX-6, with a modern engine that made no more power, no more torque, shrunk down a little bit, turned the whole gas tank into a frunk, plus have the little glove boxes in the fairing.
0: Those were great. They I mean, were. Good. They were hardly. It was hardly big enough for my phone. But guess what? Is big enough for my phone, at least a glove and my registration, or you know my phone and a pack of cigarettes and a lighter. Or we, it was just barely functional enough to justify being there.
1: Right. Plus a little bit of under seat storage. I think you should be able, because. It doesn't seem well. The like- luggage
0: strap pegs were really right. the the killer thing there.
1: Yeah. Well, also just with how big the tail on that bike was
0: and a big old fat end. Yeah. But but, but if they thought enough to put those little flip up tabs to put the net on there, which is I'm going to call that integrated storage, right? Because mm. all you add is the cargo net, and they just thought enough to do that, and it made it so much easier and so convenient to strap shit to the back of it.
1: Right. But you know, if you had that as default options on a bike. If that was like just the the bare stock setup. You now that's a bike that you would more reliably be able to ride every day. Yes. You can do your grocery shopping on it.
0: Well, this is why I'm talking about a sort of commuter class of bike. I mean, we talk about bikes as commuters, and we even kind of say like, oh, it's it's a you know, it, it's a commuter bike, it's not a sport bike or it's a bit of a sport commuter. But there isn't really like there isn't like a like a super sport, it's a pretty well defined kind of bike, a bagger is a pretty well-defined kind of bike. We don't have a good list of the things that make a commuter other than something with an upright seating position and very medium amounts of power that's modestly priced and it's good on gas. Like, that's what we consider a commuter. A commuter should be something with lots of integrated storage, a mid-capacity engine with good low down torque, a lower top speed, and and a large gas and not necessarily a huge gas tank. No, it should have a good gas tank if you're commuting. Anyway, that's that's you know what a commuter should be, but it doesn't exist primarily because of this this integrated storage
1: problem. Right. Like even an S V six fifty Is not a crazy expensive or high performance bike, but everything about its styling and its proportions and the way it functions is like buying a Lotus Esprit. Like there's no, it's, there's no thought to any kind of practical usage of the bike. Right. Even though it's not expensive or crazy high performance or anything, it's, there's no thought towards any kind of practical day-to-day usage other than a starter motor and a kickstand.
0: Commuter bikes should also be CVT or DCT, just to make sitting in traffic that much more bearable. There
1: should definitely be a DCT variants of them.
0: Right. Uh, commuter bike... Bu- I don't know. We should probably just do a segment on a different episode about what a commuter bike should be. Yeah. Okay. So we're at an hour and a half, and well, we I got. I guess things to you do. have
1: to pick your kids up.
0: I do. There's fucking school tomorrow, so. All right, and um, yeah, let's just end this one. It's not, <laughs> this is an episode that really should be edited, but I just don't have time. So, we're going to end this one. We're going to put it up very soon. We're going to say that it's been fun, it's been real. This is concluding episode 123, I think. It might be 124, but I think it's 123. Woo. So, um, I've been neglecting to leave the contacts and emails at the end of these episodes if you were enraged by anything that we said, Keep it to yourself, but if you want to add some constructive criticism or just your general thoughts and feelings, send those to contact at nocomotopodcast.com or Swiggy at or GP at no, no, Did I get all those correct for once?
1: I wasn't listening. Okay.
0: And <laughs> with that, we're going to remind everyone to stay safe and stay tuned, and let's run the outro. Oh. If I had the sound effects open. And I don't want to die. Just want to ride on my motorcycle. It's our soberest episode in a long time. Didn't feel like it.